The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, May the 26th. June is almost here. I hope everybody had a happy Memorial Day, safe and socially distant. Not not everybody. That's okay. Uh, We got Jared Dubin's 2020 Survivor Squad coming up. He built a roster with just one pick from every single team. So you can't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. I think that's how it works. Uh, we'll dive into that. Uh, if you like the show, if you mildly enjoy the show, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Every download, every subscription, every review helps us in the eyes of our bosses who at some point uh, will reward us with something or another. Uh, and if you like this show, you know what else you'll like? The Cover 3 podcast. College football is inching closer, which means it's the perfect time to unveil off-season rankings. All throughout May, the Cover 3 podcast team has been counting down their preseason top 25 in a seven separate episodes. And this week, they'll focus on the top five teams. A spoiler alert, NC State is not on either list. Mm. Unnecessary pot shot at my alma mater. But don't worry about a huge time commitment. Uh, Chip Patterson and company have been breaking down each team in their hurry-up hot seat series under 15 minutes. Played golf with Chip Patterson the other day. We played 18 holes in under three hours. A blitzkrieg of RGA and Raleigh. A delightful time with Chip. And you will have a delightful time finding out where Clemson and Ohio State rank. Uh, they bring back, well, you know, bring back the top two quarterbacks in the country. Are they the top two teams? Will Alabama crack the top three after losing to a each day this week? The Cover Three podcast has all your answers about the very best teams in the nation. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. All right. Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? Is, uh, Miami in the top 25? Uh, I doubt it, but I don't know. Are they a top 25 ACC team? I think that's the question. Well, we haven't gone to an ACC championship game yet, literally. Ever. I know. It's amazing. Ever. Like, it's, it's, it's a point of contention amongst, um, longtime ACC fans. Like, you know, people who, you know, were, you know, like, I've been an ACC fan since birth, uh, for various teams for various reasons, but, uh, you know, where I live, um, Miami and Boston College and Virginia Tech all showed up and they were supposed to make life hard for the coastal division and said Clemson just got awesome. And, uh, Miami is somehow Miami, a college football powerhouse of the days of yore somehow has never made the ACC championship in a very weak division. Yeah. I mean, the one time we actually won the coastal was the year we had imposed the ball ban on ourselves because <laughs> Nevin Shapiro like bought a couple dudes drinks. And a lot of other stuff. But yeah, I mean, if that was impermissible benefits, like I feel like I gave out a ton of impermissible benefits during my time. Wow. <laughs> Breaking news. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we'll get another uh, article about the uh, podcast on uh, PFT CBS sports writer. They, they linked up our Brian Schottenheimer interview from yesterday. Fun talk with Brian, Sch- Brian Schottenheimer. I, yeah, Brian- I mean, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to listen to it after we finish recording. Did you ask him why he doesn't let Russ cook? Uh, I, you know, I thought about asking that. I started to get down that path and then I, so like basically I was like, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, do you, 
uh, do you read Twitter? Uh, and he was like, and he's basically like, nah, not really. And then I was like, do you know what Seahawks Twitter is? And he was, he didn't really understand what I meant. So I didn't want to be like, <laughs> why won't you let Russ cook? Uh, it, it's, I don't know. Weird. It was a, look, it I mean, honestly I, I, would have been my first question. And that's also why I don't host the podcast and you do. <laughs> it was, well, I'll say this too. Like it was a zoom call and we were both doing video and I was like, it's like looking, it's like hard to look a dude in the eyes and be like, why don't you let Russ cook shoddy? Um, and I, I don't know. I like, I think I, we were talking about like different, like offensive philosoph- philosophical stuff and, and Russell. I, yeah, I should have like, been like, why don't you let Russ cook? I should have asked. <laughs> I wanted to ask it. I thought about asking it. Um, and, and I, and I, I kind of wussed out to be perfectly frank. Yeah. I mean, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. I whiffed. It's fine. Um, I won't tell anyone. So you got, I like, I like your, uh, survivor squad. It's, it's because not just cause it's a good, you know, it's a 30, 32 man juggernaut with one pick from every single team, but you actually opened up the lead to your story is this email came from our editors last week and it was hi dudes. <laughs> it's like, hi, like you put the actual email in the story. <laughs> it's yeah. Me up. I mean, uh, I got to give credit to RJ and Kevin who came up with the idea and basically were like, we think this is good. You should do it. And I was like, I'm in. And legit within probably like three hours, I had gamed out a bunch of different scenarios and sent them like a first pass at a roster. It's It was much more difficult to build the first version of that than I expected it to be. Just because like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you can't take more than one guy from every team. And the way we sort of uh, use the positions, it was like, you know, you can't have Bill Belichick and Stefan Gilmore. You can't have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And I was like, I'm not going to make Andy Reid the offensive coordinator when he's actually a head coach. Like, if I want to take the offensive coordinator from the Chiefs, I have to take Eric Bieniemy, who yeah. is a good offensive coordinator, but like, he's not Andy Reid and he's not Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, it's, it's not a, a situation. And this is all explained like in the lead of people, uh, go to the article, but it's not a situation where we're trying to pick the best player from every team. Right. It's we're trying to build the best roster we can while only choosing one representative and exactly one representative from every team. Yeah, and worth noting, in order to get to 32, who's who's in the uh, – this, this reads like RJ. Was it RJ? Uh, yeah, it was RJ. Because he's like, you know, in order to get to 32, I've included three coaches, head coach, OC, DC, three special team players, kicker, punter, return, returner, and a few sub-package guys in offense and defense, like a second tight end, a slot quarterback, nose tackle, fourth wide receiver, gadget type offensive player, etc. So in other words, you want to get to 32 teams, and it's not the best player from each team. It's not the best player at each position. It's the best – it's the most efficient roster Base using one player from each team. So like, did you start it? Did you start with Mahomes or did you start with like, okay, who's got the crappiest roster? Who's the best player on the worst team? You know, cause like I could see building it either way. Yeah. No, I mean, the way I did it was like, I just had, as soon as uh, I got that email, I had four people that I knew were going to be on the team pretty much no matter what. Like I very briefly considered what, what four, what, what four players? Well, I was going to get there, Brinson. <laughs> uh, why, was, I, 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 why don't you let Russ cook, dude? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson was one of the quarterbacks that got sort of brief consideration. Like it was, you know, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, you could briefly consider taking those guys, but, but really, you couldn't pass up Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah. I couldn't pass up Brian Schottenheimer. Exactly. Hmm. Um, realistically, like if you want to win in the modern NFL, the best way to do it is to have the best pass offense you can and the best pass defense you can. And then there was no way I was going to build a better pass offense than I could having Patrick Mahomes at okay. quarterback. So, 
he was the first guy that was definitely going to be on the team. Um, Michael Thomas, who we took as our slot receiver, he was only something like 39th in slot routes run last hmm. year, but he has still had 52 catches for 601 yards and three touchdowns from the slot. That's the eighth most catches, 10th most yards, ninth most scores, and led the league in yards per route run by the slot by more than a full yard over the next closest player. So I was taking him for sure as the slot receiver. Um, then just Aaron Donald, obviously best defensive player in the league, best pass rusher, best run defender on the interior defensive line. Like there was really no way that I was building the roster without him. And then I was taking Bill Belichick, like who mm. else is going to coach the team? Like, especially once I took Mahomes at quarterback that knocks Andy Reed out of consideration um, once I took Mike Thomas at receiver, that knocks Sean Payton out of consideration, Sean McVay out of consideration by taking Aaron Donald. So, you know, I was really down to basically three guys for, uh, for the head coach. You know, it was Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, because once I was taking Mahomes, Lamar Jackson was out of consideration. So Harbaugh came in. Sure. So Belichick, Harbaugh, and Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I just thought, obviously, Belichick sort of gives you the best of all possible worlds, especially in terms of just being able to, you know, stop opposing. He just crafted like the best pass defense of the last 15 years last year. Um, so, well, yeah. and I mean, like, I mean, no knock on, um, you know, Stefan Gilmore or any of the other, like there are plenty of good players on the Patriots, but like relative to position, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody that's as good as Belichick, you know, like, like Belichick relative to the rest of the coaches in the NFL is way better than like even Stefan Gilmore is to the rest of the cornerbacks in the NFL. Right. Like I, I think Stefan Gilmore is probably the best cornerback in the league. I think right. certainly over the last two years combined, he has been, but like you can get 90, 95% of Stefan Gilmore with somebody else and get, you know, 120, 130% of the best coach by taking Belichick. So, you know, Stefan Gilmore was out. Devin McCourty was out. Shaq Mason was out. Uh, anybody else, uh, you know, from that offensive line, which, you know, is not quite as good. Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney was out. Um, yeah. And also they just lost a bunch of def- defensive players this offseason that could have been in consideration. Uh, one of which actually did make the team by going to, uh, division rival and we'll get to him in a little bit, but I basically started with those four guys, uh, Belichick, Mahomes, Mike Thomas and Aaron Donald. And that sort of built the, the foundation of the roster, you know, for the kind of team that we wanted to build, you know, elite throwing the ball and elite stopping uh, other teams from throwing the ball. And that sort of guided us to, to go from there. Worth noting that uh, the, the, let's see, I think three, those three guys plus Russell Wilson, uh, the top four guys on Pete Prisco's top 100 list. So, uh, you and uh, the tiny tan man are, are cooking with the same brain there. How does that make you feel? Feels pretty good. Uh, he's got Russell Wilson appropriately rated. I feel like for you know, once, for the first time well, in his entire, for the first time since 2012. I was going to say, I feel like the the very brief argument we had the first time that I met him, I've now been vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> very brief. Was that? Did you ever hear about the one at? Um, were you, were you weren't there at uh, at St. Elmo's, right? Did you ever hear? Oh no, no. Had, have you heard it? You have told, you've, you've heard about that one, right? I've heard the story. Yeah. No, it was like very brief at the summit when yeah. I was talking about like, you know, why the fact can't that. Uh, the, can't wait in the pocket. You can't wait in the pocket. Can, can, right. he, can he throw up and, in the pocket? He runs. He runs too much. I don't care. And the volume and things like, and I'm like, it's not his fault that the coaching staff stinks. Like, yeah. Uh, speaking of the coaching staff, your coaching staff for the, 
for the, uh, what are we, what are we calling this? The survivor squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to call it the snub squad for some reason. Um, Bill Belichick, as you mentioned, the head coach. And I like it. You didn't, as you said, you didn't cop out and go with Andy Reid as the OC or, or, you know, you went with a straight up OC. Uh, Greg Roman also considered Arthur Smith, Gary Kubiak and Kellen Moore. That's an interesting list. I, I, I I'm curious. Is that like, is that based on those are your top four offensive coordinators or is that based on you like, you know, you sort of were like, all right, I don't know what's what I really want to use from the Titans. So maybe Arthur Smith could be in play, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's more the latter. It's based on sort of the way that you would be able to build the best roster. I think also when you look at it, most of the best offensive minds these days are head coaches now. Like yeah. I couldn't make Andy Reid the offensive coordinator or Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, or Sean McVay the offensive coordinator. So, you know, when you look at last year, um, I don't know that any coach or any coordinator put their quarterback in better position to succeed last season than Greg Roman did. Um, obviously Lamar Jackson had an unbelievable season, like the rarest season that pretty much anybody has ever had. You know, he set the rushing record for quarterbacks for a season. And he also led the league in touchdown passes and touchdown rate on his passes. So obviously Roman did a lot. Right. And he's obviously had success in the past scheming for other quarterbacks who, you know, are mobile in terms of Tyrod Taylor and Colin Kaepernick. And he's had, you know, success with other kinds of quarterbacks as well. He's, he's able to be really flexible. He did a lot with, um, you know, different formations last year and different, um, personnel groupings, which I think is really important to have success in the modern NFL. And, you know, once Jackson, was off the table. It sort of narrowed, obviously, the possibilities for the Ravens because we couldn't take him since we were taking him home. So it was like, you know, Greg Roman was in consideration for that spot. Don Martindale, at defensive coordinator, was in consideration. Talking about guys like Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Calais Campbell. Like, there were plenty of guys that you could have taken. I think if Marshall Yonda hadn't retired, I might have taken him and gone somewhere else mm. with offensive coordinator. But uh, this just felt like the way to, like, Roman was the best offensive coordinator in the league last season. And uh, it felt good to get the best coach in the league, the best offensive coordinator from last season. And then, you know, when we talk about defensive coordinator next, I think we got last season's best defensive coordinator because the best defensive coach was a head coach in Belichick. Yeah. And you have uh, Robert Sala from the uh, 49ers. And but worth mentioning that uh, you, as you noted here, we toyed with the idea of going with an Andy Reid, Josh McDaniels, Lamar Jackson combination, which is kind of interesting to, to think about how you could have slotted that out differently. I wouldn't hate that, but I like Belichick. I mean, Belichick wins a lot of games and you get Patrick Mahomes. Belichick plus, plus Patrick Mahomes is probably going to win some Super Bowls, you know, <laughs> like maybe a few, like, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, um, look, the, the but, other but, version would be really good too, but I feel like this one's just a little bit better. Sala is actually surprising to me because you had, as you noted here, uh, the option to take George Kittle, Nick Bosa, or even Richard Sherman, all of whom could, uh, could be very nice to have on the roster like this. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple different scenarios. Like at first, I think I had Sherman at one of the cornerback spots, but the, I can't remember who was the defensive coordinator in that configuration, but I just didn't like it as much as the way that it turned out like this. Like I could have taken George Kittle at tight end and maybe taken like, um, you know, when we talk about tight, like Zach, Zach Ertz is one of our tight ends and like could have taken George Kittle there who's better than Ertz, but then I'm looking at, did Tim you, Ford. did you have this in Excel document? Oh, because yeah. I, okay. Cause I was like, like, I, I could imagine, I, I, like, I would do this on like simple note or like one of my, like my little, like, you know, I'd like take notes and be like, Oh, I'll do this. And all of a sudden I'd be like, Oh, I want to tweak this. And all of a sudden I'd have like four guys from the same team. I could see yeah, this. Yeah. 
Like this is like, I like, did you have it like color coded? Cause it's kind of, it's not like, or like a, like it, where if like it repeats it, like if it, if it doubles up, it gets colored. Cause I mean, I could see that, um, you know, being and like, I can see this being like a difficult exercise in terms of all the permutations. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was. And there were def like, there were sort of combinations where I was like flipping things around that we'll, you know, we'll talk about, especially on the defensive side where it changed things around much more than on offense. Um, basically I just had, you know, one Excel spreadsheet where I had the roster spots on one side and all of the teams listed on the other. And whenever I put a player in, I put them in, in both spots gotcha. so that, you know, if I, for example, when I put Belichick in, I filled him in as the head coach and as the Patriots, the Patriots. representative. Gotcha. So I knew not to take another Patriot anywhere else on the roster. Um, so, I mean, look, George, George Kittle probably would have been the best option at tight end, but did I really want to take like Jim Schwartz at defensive coordinator when his defenses just haven't been that good the last couple of years? Uh, again, I could have taken Martindale, but I think for this situation, like it's better to have uh, Roman and Saleh than it is to have Martindale and somebody else. You know, I, I could have taken Nick Bosa, but then like if I take one of the edge rushers that I have off there, then I'm looking at the defensive coordinator from one of those teams. And I just didn't like those defensive coordinators quite as much. Uh, one of the, them, the, the defensive guy is actually the head coach. So that wasn't going to work. Then you're talking about flipping a, an edge rusher to a different guy from his team. Then you got to switch the defensive coordinator to another team. It just worked out that this was sort of, you know, I don't think Sale was the single best asset, probably not even one of the best two. Like I think probably you'd go with, you know, Shanahan, then Bosa or Kittle and then, you know, the other one and then probably Sherman, like, Sally might have been the fifth best representative, but I think he was the best fit for the roster that we wanted to build here. Did it feel redundant at all to go with Salah knowing you already had Bill Belichick? Like, do you think, or, or maybe not even redundant, but like, do you think that Belichick would be fine running a Robert Sala scheme on the back end? Like, as in like, cause we never really seen Bill Belichick bring in a, you know, coach the big name defensive coordinator. It's usually somebody rising up through the ranks that he has trained. Right. I mean, well, I had to take a defensive coordinator. Um, so there was no option to just be like, all right, Belichick's running the defense. Um, all right, let me ask you, let me put it a different way. If Bill Belichick was creating this team, would he have gone with Robert Sala or George Kittle? Cause I think he might go with Kittle. Yeah. I think he might go with Kittle also, but like he would be okay taking Jim Schwartz because realistically, right. Belichick is running the defense anyway. Um, Belichick, you know, Belichick and Jim Schwartz would be fun to watch. Oh yeah. I do think <laughs> that, that Sala showed, um, a decent amount of flexibility last year, though, you know, tweaking that sort of Seattle style defense to play more too high coverages, play, you know, more than, you know, cover three and cover one on the outside on occasion, um, which Schwartz is very set on the we're going to rush with our front four type of defense, which obviously is a really good way to play. But I do I did want a little bit more flexibility in the ways that we're going to play, you know, along with obviously the ability to just rush four guys, which I think with the way we built the roster, we can do, but you know, I, I, I did want a little bit more flexibility. And I think that just in, in this kind of configuration, it made more sense to go with Sally and Ertz than Kittle and Jim Schwartz. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's mention Ertz. Let's talk about the rest of the offense surrounding Patrick Mahomes uh, at running back, Christian McCaffrey, Wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans. You mentioned Michael Thomas in the slot. Also, Kenny Galladay as a uh, flex option. And then at tight end, Zach Ertz and Darren Waller. I think the tight end's kind of, I, the tight end surprises me. I mean, I know you can't, couldn't have gone Kelsey because you already picked Mahomes. Again, I would have gone, like, I would have found a way to get Kittle in there. Even if I had to bring in, like, uh, 
Paul Gunther instead of like, I would have gone Paul Gunther and Belichick with Kittle instead of Waller and Sala and Belichick. If it were me. Yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's not a bad idea either. I did want to try to at least get some of the top guys. Like I know Paul Gunther is a pretty good defensive coordinator. That Raiders defense the last two years where he's been there has been atrocious. I didn't feel you would have gotten, you would have gotten some blowback from readers if you'd gone with Paul Gunther as your DC. People are like, what what are you doing, bro? Like what? Yeah. Like this is what I was talking about with Debo before we started recording too. Like, you know, Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator, really good defensive coach. But again, that Eagles defense has been pretty bad these last couple of years. And he was saying the same thing. Eagles fans would have pushed back. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. So that's, you know, that, I, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I mean, like Ertz and Ertz is awesome. Like I don't have a problem with Ertz. I think I just think my thing is like, especially with like Belichick and like knowing that you have McCaffrey back there. Like if you put Kittle on, um, you know, on on this offense. I just think you could run the living crap. Oh, maybe the offensive line's so good you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean the offensive line is really good. Uh I do think that George Kittle's run blocking would help a lot. But I also I tried to defer, as I said in the introduction, I tried to defer towards whatever was going to make us uh a better pass offense and a better pass defense. Mm. And not that's not to say that Kittle wouldn't make us a better pass offense. I think he yeah. obviously would, but I think that having Saleh as opposed to you know, Jim Schwartz or Paul Gunther or, you know, some of the other defensive coordinators that were considered, like I had Matt, Matt Eberflus from the Colts on there. And, uh, I think that he would have been a pretty decent option too. Um, you know, Don Martindale again was somebody that was considered. Um, I, I think that this configuration worked out well. Like, sure, we could run the ball a lot, but do I want to run the ball a lot when my quarterback is Patrick Mahomes? Um, I don't fair. think so. That's fair I, I want to throw the ball like 80% of the time and that works pretty well with Christian McCaffrey as my running back too, because he's the best pass catching running back in the league. So, you know, we could have taken Derrick Henry, but I mean, the value that McCaffrey brings as a receiver just so far outweighs what I would get by, you know, trying to force the ball to Henry 25, 30 times a game. Like I would just rather have the, the better passing attack. Um, and I think I got that, you know, there were a bunch of different running backs that I considered because there were so many different ways that you could build this roster, but just McCaffrey being the best pass catching running back and the overwhelmingly obvious pick for the Panthers. Yeah. Where there is not all that much in the way of high level talent. I can't, um, I can't think of somebody else. Am I, am I missing somebody else that you would take off of Carolina? Uh, you know, DJ Moore could have been at somebody, yeah. um, I mean, Brown I mean, yeah. at nose tackle, but he hasn't played yet and didn't, hasn't obviously shown anything. If you're, uh, if you're deciding between a rookie or Christian McCaffrey, like it's like, it's pretty, like, I mean, I think, it, like, I, I, I think in, you mentioned a bunch of different running backs like Saquon, you know, Derrick Henry, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, guys that you considered, like, because the running back position is so fungible, fungible, like you could have done that, but like, um, I agree, like McCaffrey, is to me so far and like I think he's the best running back in football maybe by a little bit but he's the best player on the Panthers by a lot bit and that's why it, that's an easy pick for me uh Hopkins on Arizona anybody that uh how how tough was the wide receiver position for you those perimeter guys Hopkins and Mike Evans it was pretty tough like you know I know you could say maybe you want Chris Godwin over Mike Evans but Godwin ran two thirds of his routes from the slot last season and Evans was the opposite. So if I wanted to, you know, have Thomas as my slot guy, then Evans was going to be the guy from the perimeter. There were a bunch of different guys I could have taken, but I just think that, you know, who else was I going to take from the Bucks if Godwin was off the table, Brady was off the table. At one point, I think I had, um, Ali Marpet 
at guard and um, Julio Jones as one of the perimeter receivers. By, by the way, this is like it is. It's like confusing to read it. It's not it's that <laughs> it's not confusing to read. But if you're if you're doing what we're doing right now and you're attempting to like work your way through the various permutations, you can get spun out pretty quick. Like I, oh, like, a, yeah. like a second ago, I was like, "Who did he have for the Ravens?" And we just spent like five minutes talking about Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, oh, I mean, like, sure. I, I, get, I mean, like, yeah, and you could have moved Michael Thomas to the perimeter and gone with Chris Godwin in the slot, but I mean, like, I think, I mean, man, Hopkins, Evans, and, and can't guard Mike is <laughs> Kenny Galladay. Like, that's some size and speed. I mean, good luck stopping that group of dudes. Oh, yeah. And I think that, you know, just having, you know, Thomas obviously is like the short to intermediate type, Hopkins as like an intermediate to deep type, and then Evans as like a really, really good deep threat. I think that that made a lot of sense. For me there too. And then obviously Galladay is a pretty good deep threat as well. And I wanted the, you know, the guys to on the perimeter to open things up underneath for, for Mike Thomas, for McCaffrey, for, for Ertz, for Waller. You know, those guys are more again, like short to intermediate types. And I also think Waller, like who else was I going to take from the Ravens? Like Josh or from the Raiders. Raiders Josh Jacobs was not going to be the running back over McCaffrey. Max Crosby was not going to be one of the edge rushers over the guys that I wound up taking. Derek Hart. Yeah, Derek Carr was um, not in consideration and not just because that whole family has a rivalry with you on this <laughs> podcast. Um, there really just were not very many good options from the Raiders and Waller seemed to stand out as somebody that was sort of an obvious pick from that team. And uh, Hopkins getting traded to the Cardinals actually helped me out a bunch because I didn't have to choose between him and the guy that I actually took for the Texans. And really the only choice then was Hopkins or Chandler Jones, um, but based on the the edge rushers we took, I think that Hopkins was a better choice than any of the wide receivers from from those teams. Do you do you think that and that's an interesting comment on the Raiders? And I don't think it's wrong at all. And I think when you like the Raiders, uh, to me, so I think people get mad when I bash the Raiders, but I think you can simultaneously say that the that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have done a very good job in making the Raiders better while also looking at the roster and saying, uh, eh, like, like, how's this team going to win seven or eight, nine games? You know, like, I mean, like, there's just not a, like, I mean, th- there's just not a lot there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that that's really even arguable. Um, look, it's, it's not a terribly deep roster. I think you saw that last year. Um, there was not a lot of talent, obviously at the pass catcher spots other than, Darren Waller, which is why a, a big reason why I ended up having such a good season. Like, what was I going to take Hunter Renfro over Mike <laughs> Thomas in the slot? You know, was I going to take Tyrell Williams? I, I mean, so. you got to take Henry Ruggs. I mean, no, I mean, like, you know, yeah, there was really nobody from the defense. I, like, Max maybe. Crosby was really good last year, but he wasn't going to make it over any of these other guys. Yeah. You know, there were a couple offensive linemen that I think you could have justified taking, yes. but I think, you know, the offensive line, it did play well last year. That was somewhat of a surprise, just given sort of the, the quality of, talent there based on what we expected coming into the season and then just you know the offensive line coach who has been one of how how I don't understand <laughs> how how many um how many would you feel like the majority of teams or was it a minority of teams where like because i mean i see three right here with the panthers lions and raiders you you mentioned with kenny it's like kenny Galladay. you look at the roster by the way pete Prisker didn't have kenny Galladay as a top 100 player hmm. um where it's like you look at the teams and you're like 
I mean, I just, I have to take this guy. So it's almost like it makes it, it makes some decisions for you, right? Like you, like McCaffrey at running back, like that. All right. All the, all other running backs are off the board because McCaffrey's the best player in the Panthers. Like I got to find a way to get Galladay in as a wide receiver because frankly, the Lions roster isn't that great outside of that. You know, Matthew Stafford, very good, but not going to take Patrick Mahomes to spot, et cetera. Right. I mean, at one point I had, uh, Jamie Collins for the Lions who signed there this offseason, but then RJ made a good point of having, um, too many linebackers that had sort of similar skill sets. So mm. I flip-flopped one of the other linebackers and uh and wound up going in a different direction and ended up taking Galladay for the Lions instead. I mean, some of the teams, like you said, were you just had to take a certain guy because there weren't a, a lot of other options there. But for all 28 teams other than the Patriots, Chiefs, Saints, and Rams, I considered at least two other players from those teams um, just because I wanted to make sure I didn't just say I'm taking this guy and that's it. Like, right. And from um, you want to walk through all the different permutations in order to like, make sure that you're being the most efficient. You want to just be like, all right, that guy's the best. Um, the offensive line is extremely stout. Uh, Jake Matthews at left tackle. Uh, <laughs> is Matthews the best left tackle in the NFL? No. Is he the best player on the Falcons? Also No. But, you know, we can do Quentin Nelson at guard, Brandon Linder at center, uh, right guard, Zach Martin, and right tackle, Jack Coughlin, beastie. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to be – I think you can run really well to the left behind Quentin Nelson. You can run really well to the right behind Jack Conklin. And then we've got, you know, the best pass-protecting guard in the league in Zach Martin, one of the best pass-protecting tackles in the league in Jake Matthews, who has graded out 12th, 5th, and 6th among tackles in pass-blocking grade at Pro Football Focus over the past – three seasons, taking only 14 penalties during that time. Uh, Quentin Nelson, also obviously a really good pass protector too. You know, Conklin, not quite as good in pass protection as he is as a, as a run blocker, but, you know, still a, a good pass protector as well. And then, you know, the Jaguars was a team that I had a little bit of trouble with. Like, you know, I could have <laughs> yeah, taken Yannick. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they've just traded so many guys from their team that would have been good to take. Like, I would have loved to take Jalen Ramsey. I would have loved to take AJ Bouye. I would have loved to take like any number of the guys that they've had on their defense over the years that they had still, I, I would have loved to take Calais Campbell. Um, you know, if they had still been there and been good, but they obviously they've hemorrhaged talent off that defense over these past few years. Um, and I just thought that, you know, Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Allen, um, who were both in consideration for edge spots, like it just made more sense to take the edge guys that we wound up taking and then to take I mean Linder is a really really good center he had injury problems in 2015 and 2018 but in the four other full seasons he's played he's been really really good and you know alongside not very talented you know offensive linemen next to him um the offensive line was tough you know I, I think Zach Morton was the only offensive lineman that oh. I knew that I was going to take I just think was, he's the best player on you, the Cowboys did you who did you debate uh, along with Martin for the Cowboys um, Amari Cooper was in consideration. Zeke was in consideration. Tyron Smith was in consideration. If Travis Frederick didn't retire, he might have been in consideration. He wasn't quite as good last year, obviously, as he'd been, uh, you know, during the previous seasons of his career. And he said that that's why he retired. Like he was the best center in the league when he was playing. And last season he was, you know, an above average center. Yeah. Um, and that's basically why he retired, which, you know, good for him. Like, Dude made a bunch of money, was a really good player for a while, and he beat, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a, it's a syndrome, I guess, Deion Barry syndrome. Um, so good for him, but 
You know, I think those guys were in consideration. I think just because of the priority. Dude, people people thought his career was going to be over. Oh, he, yeah. When he was diagnosed with Gillian Barr. Uh, by the way, went to Bigfoot High School. I remember I was just, I was, I was looking at his Wikipedia page because I was trying to get to the draft spot. Um, remember he was taken, uh, what are they, they traded first back down from, I think 18 to 31. The 49ers moved up or no, the Vikings moved up. No, 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 the 49ers moved up, um, from 18. Dallas traded, uh, in exchange for San Francisco's 2013 first and third. Uh, San Francisco came out to get Eric Reed. And Dallas sat back there and took, uh, took Travis Frederick. Frederick. Terrence and, Williams. Yeah, that's right. And people were sort of surprised. Wait, did they only get a third for moving down 13 spots? Yeah. So not a win on any version of the trade value chart. And Good then Lord, obviously that's they took, uh, they took a center who people thought was like a day, late day two, early day three prospect. People, obviously it people turned were, out really well. Yeah. Uh, but they still should have gotten more in the trade for moving down 13 spots. And, uh, they should have taken a better wide receiver than Terrence Williams. I mean, it was Frederick, God, Frederick was like, Frederick's like borderline the best player in this draft class. Uh, he was really good. Yeah. I mean, so look, um, Martin was, uh, I think he's, if he's not the best guard in the league, it's only because of Quentin Nelson. And if Nelson's not the best guard in the league, it's only because of Martin. Um, if Marshall Yonda was still playing, then he might have been one of those spots. You know, at first I didn't have Quentin Nelson. Like I was saying earlier, we had, um, Ali Morpet at guard, Anthony Costanzo at left tackle, and then Julio ah, Jones nah. at receiver. And we wound up switching that to Mike Evans, Jake Matthews, and Quentin Nelson. I think Quentin Nelson's a must have. Yeah, I would almost, really, I would really almost, good. I would, I would almost put him on like the list with like, like just because I think he's somehow like already just so much better than every other guard in the league. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought he was a right guard, not a left guard. And I was like, I'm going to take Martin just, I think he's like slightly better. Uh, right, right, right. Nelson. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe Martin's better. I mean, maybe Martin's better, but I mean, Nelson, Nelson's just a raw, like, monster with great oh, technique. Absolute monster. And like, you can say either one of them is the best. Like, yeah. I'm not going to argue with you if you say Quentin Nelson's the best guard in the league. Like, I mean, like, this team is, this, this, this team can do whatever it wants on offense. I yeah, mean, whatever, absolutely. whatever it wants. Yeah. We uh, don't need to give our offensive line help in pass protection. And, right. uh, even if we did, we got Mahomes back there. So you could probably play without tackles, honestly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Will the, will the defense be able to keep up? We'll find out after the break. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so Aaron Donald already uh, already mentioned. We uh, we pointed that out. Uh, did you consider anybody else, or is it just like Aaron Donald? Sorry. So walk me through the defensive setup here, or walk us through the defensive setup, I guess, because um, it's not yeah, you know, it's not just eleven guys, right? Right, right. We have uh, let's see, two edge rushers, two interior defensive linemen, a nose tackle, sort of a flex linebacker, uh, two linebackers that are primarily pass coverage guys. Two perimeter corners, a slot corner, and a free safety, and a box safety. Okay. So we wanted of, uh... Like a flexible defense to be able to do a bunch of different things. Like I think, I think that's just really important when you're playing. Yeah. Days you want to be able to play three man fronts, four man fronts, five man fronts. You oh, know, have, and you, you have Bill Belichick coaching too. So right. like he's not going to be like, all right, let's run the four three and rush, exactly. rush four. Yeah. And, and so he's... we wanted to get. Obviously, really good, really dynamic edge rushers, but we also wanted, you know, interior guys who could rush the passer from the middle, also defend the run. Um, at least one interior guy who could flex out to the edge if necessary. Um, you know, a nose tackle that was not just a run stuffer, but could also rush the passer and then sort of a flexible linebacker who could, you know, fill lanes against the run, rush the passer as an edge rusher or drop back into coverage. And, uh, I think we found all of those things. Yeah. Um, and we did change things around a, a lot more on defense, um, than I did on offense. Just like, you know, so for example, Chandler Jones was part of the team at one point, Darius Smith at one point, just because sure. of that prioritization on versatility. Um, you know, Eric Armstead just for the versatility to play inside or outside. Um, you know, Nick Bosa again was in consideration. Um, Brian Burns actually was another guy from the Panthers that was, oh, uh, yeah, that could, yeah, that could work. In um, Okay, so I think if I'm looking at this right, and here's who you end up going with, like this is what the three, if you ran a three, four, uh, your front seven would be, uh, you would have, uh, Donald and JJ Watt and Kenny Clark up front, which is just terrifying with Von Miller and Khalil Mack rushing off the edge and Bobby Wagner and Eric Kendricks roaming the middle. I mean, that's, they might slow, like they might slow down that offense actually. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> you know, JJ Watt was, uh, he's the, the other interior defensive lineman. Like, I don't know that we need to talk about Aaron Donald anymore. Like, yeah, he's, he's been in the NFL Aaron. for six seasons, six Pro Bowls, <laughs> five All Pro first teams, defensive rookie of the year, two time defensive player of the year, second most sacks in the NFL, most tackles for loss, most quarterback hits, graded second, first, 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 and first among interior defenders <laughs> at Pro Football Focus. Uh, he was number one on our top 100 last year. He'll probably be number two this year. Um, so Aaron Donald, obviously on the team. JJ Watt, um, again, he has a flexibility to play inside and outside plays basically, you know, he can play as a three, four end. He can play as a four, three edge. He can play on occasion as a nose. He even played, you know, very occasionally as a sort of a stand up rusher last year. If not for Donald, like he was Donald before Donald was Donald. Yeah. Um, and when he's healthy, which we can do because we have so many other guys to, to play alongside him, we don't have to play him 95% of the snaps. Also, also not a real team. So not a real team. Yeah. yeah he I doesn't, like, unless he, unless he's like, unless he's hurt right now, he's, you know, he's healthy. Like, you know, yeah. he's healthy right now. It's the off season. You can do, you can go with JJ1. I mean, yeah. it is, it is crazy how 
like why? I mean, not like JJ Watt hasn't been good. Like he's been he's been really good when he's been healthy. Like he's he's an out. It's still an outstanding football player. He had 16 sacks in 2018. It was an All Pro. But it's like it, it, the stretch of 2012 to 2015 does feel like a while ago. I mean, it was like yeah, five I mean, years I guess, ago. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, my son wasn't born when that was happening. Yeah, right, so it was, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, like, he, like, no, I mean, like, you know, I remember we picked off, yeah, pick six of Andy Dalton. Yeah, I mean, like, in, uh, in, in the, in the 2012 playoffs, right? I mean, it had 20 and a half sacks that year. It's, it just, it's just like, it is just crazy how quickly, the, you know, like a player, like that peak, it's just, it's, it's, you know, you look at Aaron Donald and you appreciate what he's doing now. It's like, it's really hard to sustain that type of peak. Oh, for sure. And I mean, look, it's been six years already for Aaron Donald at this point. That's a really long time yeah. to be this good. Like to me, Aaron Donald could retire tomorrow. I was going to say that. And he's in the Hall of Fame. Should, yeah, he should absolutely walk into the Hall of Fame. The same is true for JJ Watt. Like that 2012 to 2015, um, peak, like for me, you know, Lawrence Taylor retired when I was, uh, five or six years old. And for the last few years, he wasn't you know, as good, obviously, as he was for the first, like, 10 years or so. For for me, J.J. Watt was, like, the best defensive player I'd ever seen for it, that four-year span. We had 69 sacks in those four years. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, yeah. 190 quarterback hits. He was averaging 48 quarterback hits per season. 30 tackles for loss per season. He's an, he's an animal. And he's a, an interior defensive lineman who led the league in pro football references approximate value three times in four years. <laughs> it's, 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 it's wild, man. Uh, yeah, it's a no brainer. I think Von Miller is a good pick too. Uh, who else is in consideration from the, uh, from the Broncos? Uh, Justin Simmons at safety. Um, Cortland Sutton, uh, for perimeter receivers. Uh, I think. Yeah, did you, did been. you think about going with like lesser receivers in order to load up? You know what I mean? Like you go with, not that I'm just like, you know, I mean, Von Miller, Chandler Jones, you know, six half dozen, I guess, but like, you, I mean, yeah, I guess you'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins and Von Miller than Cortland Sutton and Chandler Jones. I was just sort of thinking like, you know, cause like when you have Mahomes and you have McCaffrey and you have these offensive linemen, like, is it, you know, like, was it a, a thought to like, all right, maybe I can really like, you know, maybe, you know, take le- not lesser receivers, but you know, Take like a DJ Moore from the Panthers and then I can load up somewhere else, et cetera. Oh yeah. I mean, for every spot again, except for the four that I mentioned at the beginning and, um, and probably Zach Martin was the other one just because I had thought for a second that Nelson was a right guard also that if I had remembered that he was a left guard, then that probably would have been set in stone, set in stone too. Um, uh, every other spot I gave heavy consideration to going with a bunch of different considerations. Um, I think Von Miller was. Kind of not necessarily the obvious pick for the Broncos, but pretty close to it. Um, like I would just way rather have Von Miller than Cortland Sutton. Like I think that you can get obviously better receivers and there aren't, there are more better receivers than Cortland Sutton than there are better pass rushers than Von Miller. And yes. the guys that are better receivers than Sutton, the difference between them and, and Sutton is bigger than the, Pass yeah. rushers that are better than Miller. Like, exactly. I, I tried to, you know, balance all of those competing factors. Mac was the one that I didn't have definitely on the list at first. Like he wasn't um, quite as dominant last season as he was the year before. There are also just way more good players on the Bears defense than there are, I think, on the Broncos defense. Like, yeah. 
you know, I could have taken Eddie Jackson at safety, could have taken Eddie Goldman uh, as the nose tackle, and then had Zadarius Smith as the other edge rusher. Um, could have taken Cortaro Patterson, like the be- one of probably the best returner of the last at least since five Devin, years. since your boy yeah. Devin Hester. Yeah, I mean, he's probably the second best return man ever, like Dante Hall, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I that's mean, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like it's like he's just sort of. And the Vikings use a first round pick on him, but I, Corderell Patterson, I will never forget the 2012 college football season. NC State was supposed to be good. Go down to, uh, Atlanta to play Tennessee and the, to, with the Chick-fil-A kickoff or whatever. And Corderell Patterson went absolutely ham in that game. He just, he's just running all over the place. He was like a, I think it was his only year at, uh, at, at Tennessee and. He, uh, let's see what he finished with. I'm loading his little college game logs right now. Uh, six, yeah, six catches, uh, 93 yards, two carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns. Just annihilated us. Uh, I remember, um, just, I think it was in his rookie year, like the Vikings just giving him something like three carries in one game and two of them went for like 60 yards. Or yeah. He's, like he's, yeah. I was like, crazy. this is completely, I drafted him in fantasy the next year, like probably three rounds early. Cause I was just like, this is going to be awesome. And then obviously yeah. like <laughs> yeah. 12% of the offensive snaps is ridiculous. He's led the league in a uh, kick return touchdowns five different times. Wow. Maybe he should have been the guy. Yeah. I mean, I had him at first as uh as the bears, representative but we wound up switching things around you went with a Dor- uh, and, and i'll say this too like you went with the dory jackson as the returner we, we don't need to linger on the uh the special the uh but like a dory's key too because like he gives you depth at cornerback yes um so not I, that I, you need it when you have tredavious white james bradbury and chris harris there oh yeah i mean well our corners are really good and a dory i at first had at corner with patterson as the return man oh but, so Adore did not return obviously all that often last season. I think he only had something like seven or eight returns, but the Titans were still willing to put him back there in important moments as a return man. He was really good when he was their primary return man for the first couple of years of his career. And like a huge reason that they drafted him was for his skills as a return man, in addition to being a really good corner. So I felt pretty justified making him a returner considering that they, you know, they put him back there over Khalif Raymond a bunch of times. He was drafted in part for that reason. And when he did it as a full-time guy, he was really, really good at it. But did you consider, did you say you considered having a Dory at cornerback? Was that, yeah. is that because you think a Dory Jackson's awesome or because Tennessee has nothing going? Um, you know, who could have actually snuck in there. Well, this would have been crazy, but like Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to take Jeffrey Simmons over, you know, the interior defensive line guys, or even if you, I mean, I don't really think of him as a nose. Prisco, Prisco wussed out and didn't put him in his top 100. And I've always told, I always tell Pete, like, like, quit, like, paying pay for past performance, dude. Like, don't, yeah, like, he, why is he, he likes having the, the veteran guys on there, you know? It's like, what do you need AJ Green on there? He didn't play last year, but Jeffrey Simmons on there and, like, makes you look <laughs> like a genius. Yeah. I mean, look, there were, again, there were a couple other Titans that were in, like Arthur Smith, who I think did a really good job last year, offense coordinator, Derek Henry was in consideration Roger Saffold at guard again, before I remembered that uh, Quentin Nelson plays on the left side. Uh, Roger Saffold was one of the left guards uh, in consideration. Um, If Jack Conklin had still been there, he probably would have been the guy that I took from the Titans. Um, I could have taken Kevin Byard at free safety. Um, They just traded Jarrell Casey. So he wasn't 
um, obviously there anymore, but you know, it, it was not like I was just going to take a Dory because I didn't have anybody else from Titans. Like he was really good last year at corner. That's why they kept throwing it. Whoever was playing on the other side all season, whether it was, you know, Malcolm Butler or LaShawn Sims or anybody else that was out there, a had a really, really good season for, yeah. and, and that was why he didn't return as much last year. He was too valuable at corner. Um, so you, uh, we're looking at the linebackers. You, you ended up going with Patrick Mahomes and Bobby Wagner over Russell Wilson and Anthony Hitchens, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that that was, uh, pretty justified. Linebacker was pretty difficult too. Um, again, like, like I mentioned earlier, so the flex linebacker that I picked, um, is Kyle Van Noy, who was the representative for the Dolphins. And at first, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I had Jamie Collins also. Because I figured, you know, why not have two of those guys? Who can- well, right, so was that more about like I want like flex linebackers, or is it, or is it like you're like, oh, you know, this actually works really well. These guys like used to be on Belichick. You're like they used to be Patriots, but you know, or you know, what I mean, like 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 how they know he left, but like he could obviously play for Bill Belichick on this hypothetical team. Oh, uh, it was both. Like okay. I figured, you know, it was not uh especially easy to find a Dolphins representative. It basically came down to like. One of the guys that they signed this offseason, like Van Noy or Byron Jones, uh, could have taken Xavier Howard, but he was not as good last year and was also hurt. Um, so it was, it was Van Noy or Byron Jones. And I think that there are obviously other perimeter corners that make sense. And there were really only three guys that you could have taken for that sort of flex linebacker spot that where they could do all those different things. It was Van Noy, Jamie Collins, and then Isaiah Simmons, who was literally just drafted, but probably wasn't going to take him, you know, over. DeAndre Hopkins or over Chandler Jones from the Cardinals. So at first I had Van Noy and Collins um, to have two of that type of guy. So you could sort of mix and match, uh, you know, have two guys that are good in coverage and can rush the passer and play against the run. But, you know, RJ made a good point that it was better to just take Galladay from the Lions yeah. and get, you know, line, there are other good linebackers that you could take and still have sort of the one flex guy. And there's enough flexibility between having, you know, Mack and Miller to rush from the edge plus Donald inside, you could have Clark play the nose, you could have Watt play inside or flex out to the edge. You could have, you know, Van Noy do a bunch of different things. So wound up going with Bobby Wagner and Eric Kendricks, two of the best uh pass coverage linebackers in the league, both really good covering tight ends and covering running backs of the backfield. Like Wagner should walk into the Hall of Fame when his career is over. He's been one time MVP vote getter, Bobby Wagner. Yes been either the the best or second best middle linebacker in the league for probably his whole career, like him and Luke Keekley. Yeah. Um Kendricks, I think, was belatedly recognized as a pro bowler and all pro last year. I think he probably should have been that for at least one season before that. And Kendricks, um, Kendricks is so fun too because he like he's he's massive. Oh yeah, he's huge and moves really, really well. Yeah. Um being able to again cover tight ends with a linebacker if I want to cover running backs with a linebacker if I want to. Like there were, you know, plenty of other linebackers that could have been taken, like, you know, CJ Mosley, uh, from the Jets, obviously a really good pass coverage linebacker as well, but I think he only played two games last year, hurt for most of the season. Um, Roquan Smith wasn't as good as he was as a rookie, and I'd just rather have Khalil Mack, uh, Drake sure. Greenlaw, um, Fred Warner, both from the 49ers, but again, I think that there were just other configurations that worked better. Uh, Corey Littleton, who just signed with the Raiders, I think, could have taken him. He was a, you know, good pass coverage linebacker for the Rams. Uh, Miles Jack, who just, I don't think was as good last year either. Nah. And then Leighton Vanderash, again, not as good last year. Um, also hurt. Gary neck injury. Yeah. yeah. Is he going to play this year? 
supposedly, yes, like supposedly he's 100% now, but um, he wasn't as good last year, obviously had the scary neck injury and just, again, I'd rather have Zach Martin than Leighton Vander Esch. Um, and I would especially rather have Zach Martin and Wagner and Kendricks than Vander Esch and an offensive lineman from the Seahawks or Vikings. <laughs> boy, Garrett Bradbury. You could have gone with Garrett Bradbury. Uh, <laughs> did you know that, did you know that Sean Wagner McGuff, uh, our friend and colleague last year before the season actually picked Freddie Kitchens to be the, uh, coach of the year was his prediction. And by the way, Garrett Bradbury was good last year. He eh. was good. He was on a he, bad offensive line. He was not the, he was not anywhere close to the offensive rookie of the year. This is my, my thing also with you on the Trent Williams for comeback player of the year. If the 49ers run the ball all over everybody, they're not going to give the credit to Trent Williams. They just had the second best rush offense in the league last year and they're going to give the credit to Kyle Shanahan. Right. That's, that's fair. I don't disagree with that. Um, I just tend to think that. Trent, like, listen, here's the deal, dudes. I'm going to be writing Trent Williams stories all year long. <laughs> like, like, so you're going to move like, the market. I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm going to be banging out stories like Trent Williams. Is Trent Williams a secret sauce or redemption story after the terrible stint with the Redskins? He, like, he's like, uh, it'll be like Ryan Tannehill. Like, Ryan Tannehill didn't come back from injury. He came back from Adam Gase. Trent Williams is coming back from the Redskins and Dan well, Snyder and Bruce Allen. <laughs> That's a pretty harrowing thing to come back from, first of all. And I'd rather, this, I'd rather lose a leg than have to like deal with dance. I mean, Dan Snyder, Bruce, Bruce Allen. Didn't, uh, didn't Philip Rivers win one year where he yeah. just came back from like sucking the year before? <laughs> this is, it's, 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 you're turning this podcast on his head, but yes, uh, he did. He led, he, I think he led the uh, NFL in, uh, 2012 with, um, uh, was it? Was it with fumbles? I think it was 2012. He had uh, 15 picks. I mean, what year did he win the comeback? I think he won it in 2013. Let me find out this. So let's see. Uh, yeah, 2013. Yeah. So in 2012, the Chargers went seven and nine. Rivers threw 15 picks, and did he have like an? Did he have like an absurd amount of fumbles? I think. Let me see. Uh, he this? took sacks on eight and a half percent of his dropouts. He led, yeah, he led the league in, uh, in, with 311 sack yards. He's had a bad season, like 3,600 passing yards, 6.8 yards per attempt. It was just out of nowhere, just terrible. And I think that that was the year that Norv got fired and replaced by Mike McCoy. Yes, it was. And then they went nine and seven and made the playoffs of Mike McCoy, who, as it turns out, was actually terrible. And, uh, and then, uh, and then and Rivers won comeback player of the year because, like, he couldn't, you couldn't give him like MVP or something, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It was, uh, let me see. Where's, where's, where the hell is fumbles don't on here? come from nine and seven teams. That, that is, that is true. Uh, 15 fumbles. Yeah. 15, uh, picks and 15 fumbles. That'll do it. That'll do it. I, I think the only guy who was worse that year, I don't know why we talked about this so much on this podcast, but I think that the only guy who was worse that year was Mark Sanchez, who had 18, uh, 18 picks and, uh, why, why can't I find, why is fumbles? Oh, here it is. Fumbles and, uh, 14 fumbles. That's bad. That's a lot. Yeah. I know way too much about the 2012 fumbleitis of Philip Rivers and Mark Sanchez. Uh, All right. Moving along. I know. Uh, so speaking of fumbles, I don't know if you know this. Pete Prisco fumbled it, uh, when he didn't include Minka Fitzpatrick on his top 100 list. What are your thoughts on that? Did you, did you like Minka going on CBS Sports HQ or 24-7 Streaming Sports Network and obliterating Pete? Did you think that was fun? Did you see it? 
it was funny. Yeah. It was, it was, it was uh, wildly entertaining. Good, good for him for using it as motivation. Um, you know, look, he had an incredible season last year. I think you can hold two thoughts in your head at the same time that maybe his season was slightly overrated just because he made probably an unsustainable amount of turnovers and touchdowns off of those turnovers. Like nobody's going to have whatever it was, like six fumble recoveries and six picks and three touchdowns or whatever he had last year. Like that's probably not going to happen again. Right. But he is a really good, really versatile player who you know, the Steelers didn't move him around quite as often as the Dolphins did the year before. But, you know, he still has the ability to play in the slot, to bump down as sort of like a hybrid linebacker type. And he can obviously play up high as a free safety that was something that was really valuable for the, again, the type of defense that we wanted to build. Like there were versions of the roster where, you know, Eddie Jackson was the free safety or Derwin James, who's like the best at that sort of versatile safety type of position or Kevin Byard, who is the more of a center field type. Earl Thomas again was a, you know, another guy in consideration there, but ended up going with Fitzpatrick. Like at, at one point it was like Derwin James and then um, Joe Hayden was one of the corners. Right decided to switch to Mika Fitzpatrick and then Chris Harris as the slot corner. Harris wasn't as good last season, but that was the first time that he had played outside um, in like eight years. So I wrote this down in the story from 2012 through 2018, Harris played almost exclusively in the slot and allowed passer ratings of 66.5, 64.9, 46.3, 89, 68.5, 76.6, and 64.6 in that seven-year span. So he was basically the best corner in the league for like seven years, and it was all because he was like the best slot corner in the NFL. And now that he's not on the Broncos anymore, he's moving to the Chargers, They he's already said they're moving him back to the slot. So that made it, I think, you know, sort of an easier pick. Um, to take him there, sure. have him in the slot, and um, say we're going to take Fitzpatrick as our free safety, and you know knock Joe Hayden off of the corners, and instead we took Tre'Davious White from the Bills and James Bradbury from the Giants as our perimeter. Did corner. you did you consider going with Jason Garrett instead? No, <laughs> I did not. And even saying his name on this podcast uh, is making me angry right now. Like, well. He's not I mean, the coach of the Cowboys anymore. I don't want to have to talk about him ever again. Let's be clear. If you're going to troll me about Philip Rivers, I will troll you about Jason Garrett. Although, I mean, I say certainly a much better deal for you because the Giants have come out and openly said that their plan, uh, is to, it's like, like Joe Judge, who's had a great offseason right up until the moment where he was asked what the offense will look like. He said, go take a look at the Jason Garrett's Cowboys. It's like, oh. Okay. Yeah, um, Jason Garrett said before the season, literally last year, that he was still running the same offense that he ran under Norb Turner with the Cowboys when he was a player. So that was 1992, by the way. Uh, pretty Sick. sure football has changed in the ensuing 28 years. So don't do that. But yeah, I mean, James Bradbury is really good. Um, and that also made it easier to, uh, to get someone from the Giants once we decided to go with, um, with Christian McCaffrey over Saquon, you know, is it is down to Bradbury or maybe Dalvin Tomlinson as the nose tackle. Um, there were not a lot of other options that were, you know, high quality there. So uh, Bradbury's a really good corner. He's done a really good job over the last few years shadowing, you know, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Mike Thomas twice a year each. Um, specifically on Evans, he did. A really He's had a tough, 
tough like job. His job was uh, like uh, like it's an all mad level of difficulty last year. Oh yeah, and he's he's really good. He's got great size, good speed, can play press man on the outside. Like with him and Tre'Davious White, like we can send as many blitzers after the quarterback as we want. Like yeah, you know, once once Gilmore was off the table because we were taking Bel- Belichick as the head sure. coach, um, Tre'Davious White was pretty quickly into the mix there. As like I know I want to take this guy as one of the corners, like, you know, I could have taken Ed Oliver on the defensive line, could have taken, you know, Stefan Diggs uh, as one of the wide receivers if I wanted to, but like, I don't think any of those options yeah. were going to make the team better than Tredavious White at corner. Like, Oh yeah. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, Diggs didn't play for the Bills. Oh yeah. He does yeah. play for the Bills. Like last year, 46.3 passer rating on throws in his direction. Second best among 99 corners that played at least 250 snaps. Um, he's really, really good. So those were, those are the two corners, uh, on the outside, Chris Harris in the slot, Fitzpatrick as the free safety, and then Jamal Adams as the box safety. Um, he is another guy who's really, really versatile. Played 401 snaps as a box safety last season, 297 as a free safety, 131 as a slot corner, 34 as a wide corner, and 96 as an edge rusher. So that just, again, given the kind of defense that we wanted to build here, you know, the ability to move guys around, play different roles, have, you know, all different kinds of formations. Adams made a lot of sense. You know, it was, he was, once I realized that I didn't have anybody better than him for, it's like probably the best player on the Jets. And, you know, I don't know that I was going to take anybody else, but like at first I think I had Harrison Smith as the box safety, but sure. I wound up switching. Uh, so you're going to go on Harrison Smith and CJ Mosley versus. Eric Kendricks and Jamal Adams. I'd rather go right. Kendricks and Adams for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, at first I was considering Malcolm Jenkins because I had forgotten that he signed with the Saints, um, and was not with the <laughs> Eagles anymore. Uh, considered landing Collins for the box safety too, but just Adams is better in coverage. Um, so, you know, obviously landing Collins is a good player and would have been a good representative for Washington, but you know, I'd rather have Jamal Adams at that spot. And importantly, you had to get a kicker in there and a punter. Uh, and Big Chess Way, uh, checks in as the punter from the, the Redskins. And, uh, very fittingly, the last person mentioned on your list, a kicker from Cincinnati. Yeah, I did that one for Breach. No, but it's, it's beautiful because he'll be like, Oh, that's really cool. I appreciate it, Dubin, uh, that you put a, uh, kicker from the Bengals on there. And then at the same time, he can't, he can't say, he can't do anything because like you're sort of trolling him. You're like, Hey, <laughs> the best player on the Bengals is your stinking kicker, but he has to take it as a compliment because it is a kicker from his favorite team. It's a very well played and nuanced and subtle, uh, maneuver by you dudes. Yeah. There were, um, we didn't actually, uh, consider other punters and kickers because those were just the last two teams left that I hadn't taken anybody from yet. At first I actually had DJ reader as the nose tackle um he had just signed with the Bengals um but then wound up switching things up along the defensive front cuz I took Zadarius Smith off replaced him with Khalil Mack um so then I had to take uh a, somebody else from the Packers and wound up taking Kenny Clark cuz I like I think that um Kenny Clark and Kenny Galladay is better than having Devontae Adams and Danny Shelton um sure so I like it. going like that. And, um, so there were, I mean, again, DJ reader at first was on there from the Bengals. William Jackson briefly was in consideration at corner, but 
but he wasn't, again, wasn't quite as good last year. And I just don't think he's as good as those other corners that I wound up taking. Um, and then just, so once I was done with the position players and coaching staff, the last two teams left were Washington and Cincinnati. So Tresway and Randy Bullock, uh, was the choice there for the punter and kicker. I like it. This is a fun exercise and an uh, excellent podcast. Of course, follow Jared Dubin on Twitter at uh, J.A. Dubin 5, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. And look, I, I welcome, you know, somebody to build a roster that they think is better than mine by taking, you know, the person from their favorite team that I didn't take. I would, you know, be happy to see someone builds, you know, or not even necessarily a better roster, just a different roster. Like if you want to try to build one without literally any of the players that I've taken, I think that would be a fun exercise too. Like I told RJ after I finished this, like I can build it like a second team. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Um, and he was like, don't worry about it. Well, you, and like, we're like, it'd be, you know what you should do is put the team, get multiple teams and uh, see if Stephen O, our sports line guy, data guy can, uh, can figure out, simulate the, the, the matchups. Like, see, that would actually be really fun. Yeah. Like do it, but like, like you, like you have to do, like you would, you would want to do it with like Mahal, like you gotta, you know, do like the four quarterbacks that I considered Mahomes, Watson and Wilson. Yeah. Like I think that would be awesome to do. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll do a new podcast for it. Uh, you, thanks for listening. Of course. Thanks for hopping on tomorrow. Jason Lockenfora will join us. Give uh, the latest scoops, news and notes from Red League. Dubs, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. And uh, make sure the Cover 3 guys put Miami in their top 25. Uh, uh, You can can tweet at them. We got De'Ara King now, baby. (laughs) All right, buddy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.